If you own a local business and you are trying to attract local clients, you must listen to this interview with David Mim. Check it out. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Active Campaign. This is really my new go-to CRM, ESP, marketing automation, really low cost. Any size business can get into it, uh, starting at like 19 bucks a month. You can keep track of your clients. You can see who is visiting your website. You can follow up based on behavior. Check out Active Campaign. There'll be a link in the show notes, but it's ducttape.me slash DTM active. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is David Mim. He's a digital marketing expert for small businesses, founder of getlisted.org, which a company sold to Moz about five, six years ago. And he's also co-founder of the local university conference series. And currently it's got a new thing going, a startup called Tidings, which I'm going to Butcher the description, but uh, he can come back and tell you more. A newsletter from Facebook creation app. So, David, thanks for joining us. How was that? <laughs> that's, per- that's pretty good. Thanks, John. Uh, <laughs> great to be with you again and, and great to be with your audience again. So I guess um, I'll start off with because you write so much about uh, local digital marketing, local search stuff. Um, what, what's going on right now in local that, that we need to know about that you don't think enough people are aware of or talking about? Yep. So I would say there's there's two or three things that are that come to mind. Uh, in fact, I was actually uh, tweeting with a few people both yesterday and, and this morning about this exact topic. Um, I would say that the first thing is that at a broad level, um, Google is essentially trying to keep as many people on the Google SERP as they can. Yeah. That's the Google search results page. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they are they are devouring uh, click throughs that used to go to either a small business website or even a big brand website that might have a local presence. Um, a a lot of that, a lot of that activity is just staying on the Google SERP right now. And I think that's a big change in the last two or three years that not enough, uh, certainly not enough businesses and, and even not enough marketers are really aware of. Yeah, there's almost not a question that you can ask Google right now that, that they don't have the answer right there in the, in the knowledge box, right? That's exactly right. And, you know, the not only are they getting better at answering questions with knowledge boxes instead of websites, um, but the amount of information and the, the kind of information they're presenting there is really robust. And, and especially for local businesses. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, some of the some of the later, uh, more recent features that they've released are things like uh, the hours that a business is busy versus empty. Um, so that if you're on a busy schedule, you know, Hey, maybe I shouldn't go to this, you know, pizza joint over lunch hour. I should wait until three o'clock when it's things have died down a little bit. Um, they're pulling in things like, uh, critical reviews. So if a business is on Thrillist or Eater or some of these other, um, depending on your industry, you know, maybe it's something like super lawyers. If you're a lawyer, Mm -hmm. um, they're pulling in, they're pulling in the lists of, of you know, sort of human curated lists of of successful local businesses and and showing those right in the knowledge panel. So kind of as much information as you want to know about a business, they're trying to present on the Google SERP, um, which you know as a small business you may still be getting those those customers. But um, I think from a, a 
a website standpoint, you know, your website is really, uh, it's becoming a way to inform Google about your business, but not necessarily something that as many customers are seeing these days. Yeah, so that leads me to my next, um, where's the best place to hide a dead body? It's the second listing on page one. The second listing, okay, very good, yes. Uh, for sure, and especially if you think about what, you know, um, so many uh, local searches are actually mobile, and in an industry like food and beverage or even in healthcare, you know, two out of three or three out of four of those searches are happening on mobile devices, and sure enough, I mean, the second listing on Google uh, on a mobile phone is often four or five scrolls down your phone. Um, and so if you're not, you know, as I, I've been saying for the last six months or so, you know, it used to be if you're not on page one of Google, you're invisible. Well, now it's like, you know, almost the, almost exactly what you just said. If you're not number one in Google, um, you might be invisible because of how much space these knowledge boxes and, and knowledge panels are eating. Well, and, and, and where does voice search uh, go with that, I mean, because you're what? What results are you getting from voice search? That's exactly right, and I think that voice is—it's um, certainly informing a lot of the uh, product decisions that Google is making. I mean, voice search in our car, um, and you know, we are, we don't have access to a screen, and, and right. even if we do have access to a screen, that's not something that Google uh, wants to distract people from driving, right? And so um, the the number of results they can sh quote show or or read back to you uh, is inherently limited by that form factor, and so I think you're starting to see, you know, there, it's not like Google is 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 using a different algorithm for desktop, for mobile, for voice. They're using the same algorithm, and so you're starting to see the same kinds of of interfaces that you might see uh, happening in voice search also happening on mobile and desktop. What do you think about uh, the, the the trend to sort of blend organic and paid? You know, you're seeing it in the what do we call that thing now? The three pack, right? Sure, <laughs> uh, yeah. And and and, <laughs> and we're also seeing a, a, an ad that has reviews in it and you know all kinds of of you know snippets in it now and extensions. So you know, is there going to be a point where we can't tell the difference? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty, <laughs> the line is getting pretty blurry, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that you're right, You're I, I assume you're talking about what Google calls home services ads, right? Uh, where you have a, um, in, in most cases, a manual uh, uh, application process in order to get included in the set of businesses that are eligible for these home services ads. But if you look at the interface that's presented, I mean, it looks almost exactly the same as the three pack. And yeah. so from a consumer's perspective, you know, they don't necessarily know that these businesses have paid to get in there. Right. Um, and certainly given where it is positioned on the page, number one, mm -hmm. um, you know, I have to think those things are devouring a lot of clicks in the markets where they're they're currently piloting it um, in San Francisco and San Diego. So um, I think that that's just one one area where we're seeing Google again, as you said, blending the, the you know, natural or organic results with paid results. Um, and, you know, they've been doing this in a lot of other industries uh, as well. I think over the years, the, the Google Hotel Finder has eaten a ton of organic traffic um, that's now part of a paid, you know, sort of a paid inclusion product. Um, they've done insurance comparisons. They've done local inventory ads for car dealers. Um, so they've, they've definitely been experimenting in a lot of different industries. And I think you know, it's only a matter of time before these kind of hybrid uh, ad units are 
you know, rolled out across almost every industry and almost every uh, metro area. So I think it's definitely something to pay attention to. Well, and I've even seen, I can't remember what the search was or, or where, but I've even seen some three packs with one paid to organic. Yep. That's something that they've just rolled out. In fact, Joy Hawkins, who uh, is a brilliant local search marketer, just started her, her new business, uh, Sterling Sky. She actually tweeted a great example the other day, uh, a, a screenshot of a, of a search where a competitor is advertising on another small business's name and actually showing up in the three pack, hmm. uh, which is kind of for that for that business, right? Uh, a specific what we would call a recovery uh, search for a specific business, and so it's a, it's kind of amazing that Google is allowing these kinds of things to happen. But um, absolutely, they're just blending in. Uh, they're 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 definitely blurring the line between um, paid and organic as much as they can get away with. Do we bother optimizing for the three pack anymore, or has proximity pretty much taken that away? No, I t- yeah, I disagree with the the whole proximity um, premise. I, I, it's certainly important, right? I mean, it's certainly you have to be close enough to a given searcher uh, for you for Google to consider your business relevant. But I think there's plenty of other ways um, that Google's evaluating businesses these days, and. I, it, the three pack certainly still has tons and tons and tons of value. There's a lot. I mean, the I, I'm not really consulting that much anymore, but I still have access to a lot of uh, analytics from former clients, um, and I see the visibility they're getting from three packs and from Maps uh, results uh, as provided by the the Google My Business analytics. They're they're still getting a phenomenal number of of impressions and click throughs and interactions from customers. So it's certainly not something that. Um, I'm encouraging anyone to kind of give up on organic search or give up on local search. I just think that increasingly the, the number of winners has, has been decreasing. And, and as, as you said, you know, Google's kind of blending in more paid ads means fewer organic clicks as well. So um, I think that it's just, it's not a, unlike when I, when you, well, you've been in this business longer than I have, but when I got started in the late 2000s, you know, local SEO was, was a phenomenally, uh, just a phenomenally positive ROI. It was very little effort and huge upside. And anymore, I think it's it's gotten much harder. It's gotten more competitive, and the number of businesses who for whom that that's true uh, is declining. So I think if you're not one of these top three, and you know in, in some cases the top one, um, organic search is just it's going to be a very hard nut to crack for you as a small business. Yeah. So let's talk about snippets. Um, <clears throat> That's one of those things that I think, you know, there's a little knowledge of, you know, like location snippets and, you know, some of that stuff's just kind of gotten built in. But it seems to me like there's almost a sort of strategic snippet, you know, channel (laughs) that I think we have to be uh, playing today. Um, What's your take on that? Absolutely. Um, I think, the you know, the guy that I look to for a lot of the snippet research is uh, my former colleague at Moz, Dr. Pete Myers. So he's done a lot of research and um, has published a lot of examples around uh, what he calls ranking in position zero, right? So position zero is these um, these answer boxes where Google is showing a snippet, of, uh, whether it's a uh, bulleted list that answers a question or in some cases just a sentence that's marked up uh, with the keywords in, in bold lettering or a table of options, um, all these kinds of things. Google is essentially extracting the key pieces of information from a given organic web page and populating those right on the search uh, search result. And so, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with with the knowledge panel. It's just it, it's sort of the knowledge panel for um, 
semantic knowledge as opposed to um, you know physical entities uh, when it comes to local. So there certainly, I think that in terms of SEO, it's absolutely a discipline within SEO that is gaining um, gaining prominence. Practically speaking, I mean it. it it kind of goes hand in hand with what you would do as far as a best practice for marketing, uh, which is answer the questions that your customers are asking you right. um, and do so in a manner that Google can crawl yeah. and have a relevant enough website that Google sees you as authoritative to answer this question. Um, so it's really from a rankings perspective or from a, a ranking tactics perspective, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff. But I think being being smart and being intentional uh, about the kinds of questions you're answering and how you're answering those questions uh, is really going to put you at the, the forefront of this new, quote, new area of SEO. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Thrive Leads. This is a tool that we use on the Duct Tape Marketing website uh, thoroughly for content upgrades, for slide-in boxes. Actually, we even use the visual editor for all the pages and landing pages that we design. So go check it out at uh, ducttapemarketing.com. We'll have a special link uh, in the show notes for today and uh, check it out. I'm going to quote you. Unless you are a traditional publisher, you should prepare for a time when no one ever visits your website. That sounds terrible. Uh, well, does it, uh, do you really care as a small business if somebody sees your website or do you care that they, uh, click your phone number in a, from a mobile SERP or click for direct driving directions to your business or have their, have their self-driving car take you right to the front door. Um, so I think you're still, you know, potentially you're still going to get those customers. I mean, I'm sure that there are more pure traditional marketers out there who want to control the conversion experience, but uh, increasingly, Google's doing that, right? They're they're doing all of this stuff. You can now book a book a table through OpenTable right from the Google SERP. Um, so why would you ever click through to a restaurant website? Um, in medic in medicine, they've got a pilot going with Zocdoc, where you can book a medical appointment through Zocdoc. Right. Uh, in fitness, they are working with MyTime and Booker and a few of these other booking engines, where you can you know schedule a class right from the Google SERP. So. Um, that's really what I mean by that is to to prepare for a time when when all of these interactions are happening uh, right there at Google and they're not necessarily happening on your website. And that's really your your analogy of of thinking your website like an API. I mean, the, the website still has to have this great information. It has to deliver that information, if you will, to Google. Uh, so it's not that you're abandoning the website. It's just how it is maybe seen or where it is in the journey. Exactly. And I think your website is still at the center of your overall, you know, digital marketing presence, right? I think Mike Blumenthal's graphic from six years ago still largely holds true. That website is really, you know, one of the core pieces of of digital equity that you can build. And just because people aren't seeing it as much doesn't make it any less valuable. Um, How is Google going to learn about your business if not from the data that you're presenting uh, on your website? Um, and so I think it's still a really critical piece. And the other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, I, I see I, I see what's happening in, in sort of technology more broadly. I think I, I would see Google as having a smaller market share uh, in three to four years than they have today. I think you're seeing Amazon make a huge play, especially if you're uh, a brick and mortar retailer, for example. I think there's going to be Amazon SEO uh, in the future with with everything they're doing with uh, Alexa and uh, the Echo device. Um, I think Facebook is a sleeping giant in in local search. I think that they have a lot of great data, and it's just a matter of time before uh, you know people start using Facebook for search. Apple, we haven't even talked about, but everybody knows they have Siri. Apple Maps is a third of Google Maps, um, and so I think 
just because Google is, is kind of devouring more of these, these click-throughs, it doesn't mean that you're not going to get uh, visitors from these other channels and even especially from your own direct marketing, whether that's uh, direct mail or email or, or those kinds of things. So I think your website is still important, and I, I wouldn't encourage anyone to think of it uh, as anything but that. I want to visit a couple just random topics. You may say, I don't really know much about that, <laughs> but, but, I'd lo- but I'd love to hear. What's your take on chat box? Uh, chatbots. Okay. So I don't know a ton about them. Um, however, I think at this point, um, not only is the technology a little bit too nascent, uh, that I, to really kind of sink your teeth into, um, but I'm not sure that the consumer awareness and consumer demand is really there, uh, from a chatbot perspective. I think one of the, one of the great advantages you as a small business have over somebody like a national national brand or national retailer is that personalized service. And so um, there may come a time when chatbots really, you know, help a small business save time and talking to customers and all these kinds of things. But I think for right now, it's a little bit early to to jump in and, and start experimenting with that stuff, especially since it kind of, to some extent, eats away at your your kind of core differentiator. Yeah, and I wonder if we're gonna. It's gonna be a day where it'll be like email too. You know, what I mean, nobody nobody wants that stuff in Facebook Messenger or whatever because now there's thousands. There's of too many. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So uh, a recent act of Congress uh, kind of scared some folks on this whole net security and NSA spying and stuff. Uh, what, what's your take on? I mean, do we all need VPNs? Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I am not a technical guy, but I certainly um, I am very much a strong advocate of consumer privacy. And I think the recent congressional decision was just appalling. Um, I think that uh, particularly when you see the things like the Verizon and Yahoo uh, merger slash acquisition, uh, I mean, the amount of data that companies like Verizon and Comcast and AT&T uh, all have access to. I think it's a tremendous privacy invasion. And um, if you're the least bit concerned about uh, corporations knowing what you're doing and and what and and selling your data to anyone, right. Right. Um, I think absolutely everyone should get a VPN. Well, you were dark dark times. Yeah, I have I to say, say, dark uh, times. Yeah. Uh, you you didn't hesitate on that one. So no. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so this uh, this late in the show, I'm going to open up a really big topic that we could do a whole show on, but um, maybe you could just tease this a little bit and, and uh, send people, and we'll have it in the show notes. Um, you have a, um, a graphic, uh, I think that you call the graphic the local stack, um, but you've written a lot really just about you know how to – you know, how to analyze your whole local marketing, digital marketing play, you know, operations, customer service, presence, organic marketing, paid marketing, attribution. Do you want to kind of unpack that a little bit and tell people, you know, what you think is in, in that uh, for them to, to, uh, to go and visit and figure it out? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. Um, So the graphic is at tidings.com slash stack. And as you said, it's the, you know, my kind of my, my vision, my attempt anyway, to visualize uh, sort of a marketing stack priority checklist. And so the idea is that you start with things that every small business needs, um, things like you know, uh, accounting software and a domain name and those and a website and those kinds of things. And you kind of check off everything. Uh, it's sort of loosely drawn on the analogy of like a, a mass transit map, where you have kind of zone one. That's the stuff you kind of everybody needs. Zone two, you can kind of graduate to that once you've checked all the boxes in zone one, uh, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, by the end, you get to things in zone six like chatbots, um, 
you know, like Beacon, some of this technology that's really bleeding edge that it might be a little bit too early to start thinking about. So that's kind of the the idea behind that graphic and essentially kind of plot your journey uh, and, and look for, um, you know, marketing technology, marketing software, even marketing, just offline marketing tactics to kind of plug in at, at each stage of your journey. One of the um, most compelling elements of it for me is the entire layer of attribution. Um, I think that that is one that is terribly misunderstood, but I think also just terribly underutilized by most businesses. And I think that you've you've sort of built it squarely into the strategic consideration. Absolutely, uh, it's the top line yeah, <laughs> in the exactly. graphic, and um, yeah, there's even if even if you as a small business uh, don't have the time or the expertise to understand what your attribution uh, software is telling you. Uh, just just collecting that data uh, can make a huge difference if you ever bring in a consultant or somebody to help you kind of understand that data. That's kind of the first point. So things like not having Google Analytics installed uh, on your website or sending your email newsletter on a one-to-many basis instead of using an ESP like Constant Contact or MailChimp or Emma or anybody um, and getting the analytics around who's opening and you know what's driving them to which which product pages, those kinds of things. Um, I think that the amount of data that you can collect about who's coming to your site and, and how they're using or your business, any could, doesn't have to be on your website, any any digital profile that you have and who they're who they are and what they're doing uh, can give you tremendous insight into what marketing techniques are working and where you can improve. Yeah, and I and and I'd add Webmaster um, or the Search Console on top of that one too for as a as a just absolutely given as well. Absolutely, yep. So uh, tell us a little bit about tidings. What's your um, – well, first, I guess, maybe uh, give the overview of, of what the product uh, actually is. But uh, but then I'd love to hear a little of your thinking on what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess the – so currently, I would say the best way to describe it, you did a, you did a great job. Essentially, it's a, an, a web app that allows you to create a, an email newsletter instantly um, based on all of the existing social media content that you're creating. So – um, basically, we ask you to connect your Facebook page and then, you know, week to week or month to month, if you prefer a monthly newsletter, uh, we automatically pull in anything that you've shared from Facebook. And so it's just a way to leverage your existing social media activity uh, into a channel that is, by all accounts, uh, much more productive in terms of ROI than, than social media. I think, you know, people who are who've been around this uh, on your podcast for a while probably know that you know, Facebook is really pinching the organic reach of of business po- business page posts, and so right now at this point, you know, if you look at the stats from Mailchimp and GetResponse and these big email providers, you're looking at probably eight to one uh, in terms of the number of people who open an email versus see uh, a post on Facebook. And so uh, the really, I think a lot of small businesses still think of Facebook first, and this is really Tidings is really geared to. Uh, not disrupt that that mindset, but really leverage what you're doing on Facebook into a more productive channel. And it automatically formats it in a very you know pleasing way. But I I think the other thing that's kind of neat about it is a lot of people, or at least a lot of the folks that I advise. I mean, we're we're sharing some of their content as well as other people's content, and so it yep. it it, al- it almost acts as a curation device because even if you have great organic reach, there's a good chance that a lot of people aren't seeing. 90% of it just because they didn't see that day's post. Uh, so being able to kind of collect it. And and I know that from um, 
you know, from my years of doing this, I, the, my blog readers are different people than my newsletter or my email readers. And, and yeah. so you, it just kind of allows you to, to really, uh, probably the key is of course it makes, it's very simple. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's, it's not a real time suck, but it also allows you to do some things that I think are really valuable. Yeah, cool. That's that's definitely the idea, and I think you explained it even better than I could have. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Well, and we'll have uh, some links and whatnot in the show notes, and uh, um, there's a way to try it out as well as a way to subscribe when you go to. For sure. Yeah, it's a free free three week trial, so uh, no credit card until you try to send the the fourth time. Great. Well, David, uh, always great to catch up with you. Um, we could, I could probably do this weekly. There's so much to talk about. Uh, I know. <laughs> it the, feels like it. <laughs> on, the, on this front. Um, but uh, hopefully we will. Uh, I was just, you're in Portland, right? Is that right? I am, Is yeah. Right? yeah yep. I, was, I was just there a couple weeks ago, actually, for a conference and uh, had some some really tasty Blue Star Donuts. Oh, yeah. No, the donuts, <laughs> the coffee, and the beer out here are all pretty, pretty top-notch. It's pretty good. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks again, David. Hopefully we'll run into you out there on the road. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks again, John. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.